0: You and we praise you. It is, um, it is an outrageous thing. It is a, a crazy thing that people like us are here standing in the presence of God. That should not be the case. And we certainly were not able to accomplish that. But the, the thing that we got out of bed this morning and when we got dressed, we got dressed in your rightness the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we say thank you, God. We worship you and we praise you and we respect you and we honor you. And we will live for you because there's just no one else has done that. There's no one who begins to compare with you. There's just no one. I can't even think of somebody, Lord God. It's only you. We are very thankful, Lord. Lord, come now as we open up your word and speak to our hearts. Thank you that you're the kind of father who speaks to his children. We're grateful for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Grab your seats, everybody. Thank you, worship team, so much. What a wonderful time to worship together. Our God is good. Hey, listen, before we dive into the word of God, I just got to mention, we just have incredible deacons in this church. Amazing, amazing ministry of deacons. He may be one of them. I don't know. And so we just had a family in need and so the deacons just get together and they recruit a whole bunch of guys and girls and, you know, oh, let's rip off a roof and put a whole brand spanking new one on for this family who are in need. Can we give God praise and thanks and glory? Yeah. That is not a small job. I have ripped roofs off before and uh, I don't enjoy doing that at all. That's hard. That's real work right there. Anyway, it's great to be together um, and uh, welcome to week number two of this series, Setting the Pace. And I've got to tell you, sometimes I preach a message and I'm like, oh man, that's heavy. That's just a weighty message. It's like full of challenge. People are going to be like, oh, chill out, Alan. That's a lot. And today is, it's not that it's void of challenge because there is certainly a challenge, but I'm just, this is such a wonderful, easy message for me to preach. Um, I am so grateful. I feel like... For every one of us today, it's like you're a child and it's Christmas morning or it's your birthday. And what God actually has for you today, I'm so, it's such a lovely thing. And I'm so delighted to be able to preach this. And it's this, uh, and you might know about this. If you've been to church before, you might've heard of this. Or if you've ever like, maybe maybe I read a little bit of the Bible, you might've heard of this. But here it is. God's like, I've got this present for you. It's like Christmas morning, birthday time. And he's giving you this present. I'm telling you right now, it is the present that we never open. We just don't open it. And today what I really, what I long for and what I trust the Holy Spirit's gonna accomplish is we're actually gonna open the present together and we're gonna receive it. We're gonna say, wow, that's for me. This is, I get to have this this is amazing. And so this is just a lovely message for me to preach because we have such a lovely, beautiful, and kind-hearted God who cares for us so deeply. And so, I mean, the basic reality of this, if you miss week one, please hop online and catch up with us as we're going to go through this series of setting the pace. And the, and the simple reality is we all know, I don't have to do any spinning or convincing, guys, that we're living life at a frantic pace. Isn't What's the phrase? Is it um, running around like a chicken with my head cut off, Right? Uh, overcommitted, bitten off more than I can chew, and there's finances with that, and there's, you know, man, so much information out there. And then we're chasing our tails, you know, I wanna have that, I wanna buy that, I wanna own that, I wanna accumulate these things, I must have these things. Uh, And we think it's the American dream, and and we're, we're exhausted, and we're stressed. And here's the lovely thing about this. God says, all that craziness, right? I'm gonna help you push that aside. It's always gonna be vying for your attention. I'm gonna help you, but you gotta partner with the Holy Spirit on this, right? You know, we don't get to say, well, God, you know, wave a magic wand and make that happen in my life. No, it's God, I'm with you in this, right? I I wanna help me to push this to one side. And then God says, man, I've got a reality for you. And here's the benefit. Here's the benefit of you. I mean, today, next week, the week after this, is that if we will have the common sense and the godly wisdom to do what God tells us, it leaves you in a place where you can actually breathe, where you can, you know, spend time with people that you love, where you can say yes to what you're supposed to say yes to and no to what you're supposed to say no to. And in all that, you get to love people and love, and love God and hear from your Father in heaven in a way that you couldn't possibly with the noise and the hurry and the frantic activity and the chasing your tail that is commanding your life right now. And so I find this such a, a lovely message to give. And so by way of giving you a clue, I want you to take a look at this image right here on the screen to see what we're going to be talking about. Isn't that just spectacular? Anyone here, like, that is a favorite moment in my life right there. What I love is when you wake up too early before the alarm clock and you look at the clock and you're like, "Oh, my alarm doesn't go off for two more hours? And you're like, yes. And you put your head back on the pillow and you're almost asleep but there's this little smile on your face. I just love it. Take a look at the second picture. Oh yeah. Isn't that great? That is a little girl. I presume that's a little girl. I think it is. And she is at a good night's sleep but she has no idea what she looks like. That's a good bed head right there. That's fantastic. Last one. And so this is what we are talking about. Don't you love it when you get a day off? Don't you love it when it's like Labor Day or Fourth of July or something like that, and you're like, I don't have to work. I don't have to do that. Don't you love it? Anyone here, your boss comes up to you and you're like, you know, you have just done so well. You've worked so hard. Don't you dare come in to work tomorrow. You're like, no, I've never had that conversation in my life ever. Don't we love it when you have a day off? Isn't it nice when it catches up with you and you're like, oh. I don't have to do that today. I don't have to accomplish and and get that thing done and go to those places. I get to chill today. And here's the lovely thing about this message. The amazing thing about Christianity is that idea of a chill day is embedded into the reality of walking with Jesus Christ. It is the present that we might be aware of, but I'm convinced of this. We just don't open that present We don't receive it and we don't use it. Check out the very beginning of time. God gets to work and he rolls up his sleeves and he's like, right, day one, here we go. And God is working and it's ingenious and it's creative, it's incredible. And he's day two, and he's like, yeah, that's good, that's good. Day three, he's working. Day four, he's working. God is crushing it with waterfalls and giraffes. Day five, it's like, this is amazing. Day six, he's working. And then day seven, and there you have Adam and Eve. And they open up their eyes for the first time. And they're seeing all that he has done in perfection. Wow. And introductions are made. Hi, I'm God, made you. This is Eve, Adam. Say hello to each other. You guys are going to be together. This is going to be great. This is really exciting. He says, oh, by the way, there's one thing you got to know with me. In fact, I'm kind of a sticker on this. I've got a bit of a rule here. It's day number one. Here's what I want you to do. Now, what have Adam and Eve done so far? Anyone know? Diddly squat. They've done nothing at all. Who's done the work? God. He's done it day in and day out. Is this good? This is good. He's rolling up his sleeves. He is making it happen. Adam and Eve wake up and they have done nothing whatsoever. And he says, here's what you got to know with me. Today, day number one, is your day off. And what I'm going to nickname this for a little bit of fun is, and it's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the do nothing bedhead day with God. And God is real serious about it. He's like, day number one for you guys is the do-nothing bedhead day with me. We're gonna chill. We're gonna spend some time together. Tomorrow, I've got some real work for you to do. It's exciting work. You're gonna love it. You're gonna get into it. You gotta roll your sleeves up. You're gonna work hard. You're gonna be tired. But today, and then check this out. Here's the beautiful thing about it. So they're actually stepping into work from a place of rest. How many of us can say that? Classically, it's Monday morning, right? That's kind of the classic weekly calendar, get up, go to the office? How many of you are starting your work week saying, man, I'm just starting all of this feeling so at peace and starting from a place of rest? Because that's what God instituted at the beginning of creation. Or how many of us are like, oh my goodness, I'm exhausted and I've got to go to work. Let's see if I can get through the week. Let's see if I can make it to Friday. It's not the way it is with God. And I just love this. I just love this about God. Day number one, sweet. These guys get to rest. And so they begin to work from a place of rest. Now, what do we do with this wonderful rule? This is what I'm convinced is the presence that we simply will not open. And instead, what we do is we take that day when God's saying, I want you to be with me and chill. It's the stay-at-home day. It's the bedhead day. And what we do is we cram everything into that day that we couldn't get done on every other day of the week. We just fill it with stuff. All the tasks and jobs that need to get done that you couldn't get done. I'm gonna take that day, I'm gonna stuff them inside of that time. Check out one or two of these little quotes. Brady Boyd says this, speed is the single greatest threat to a healthy life. Richard Foster he's talking about, uh, the context of this quote is like he's talking about the enemy in your life and what the enemy's trying to accomplish. In contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Carl Jung says these words, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. You see, for most of us today, the greatest danger in our lives is that not we're waltzing into church this morning and that we're on the brink of atheism. Most of us, the greatest danger isn't like, oh, this whole thing's a fairy tale, I'm done with God, I'm done with church, I'm done with the Bible, forget it, goodbye. For most most of us, the greatest danger is not that we're walking in here sort of furious with God for a variety of reasons and we're sort of shaking our fists at the heavens ready to abandon the faith. That's actually not what the greatest risk is. It is that we will become so distracted and so rushed and so preoccupied that we end up settling for a mediocre version of Christianity instead. And that's a shame when we do that. It is one of the reasons why the mission statement of this local church is quite simply this. It is to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. I need that. I think you need that rather than the running around 100 miles an hour. And of course, the illusion, the illusion is that if we can cram more in, if we can get more done by doing it as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible, and as many books on this subject matter, and they sell very, very well, that that's actually going to buy us more time, which will increase our ability to add more things to our to-do list so we can simply check more things off. And we think that will fulfill us. How many of you are to-do listers? Confessions. Now, I see you out there. We know your type. And nothing nothing is better than this feeling. I know you're like Oh. Or the little tick, right? You know who you are. How many of you are not only people who do to-do lists, but then you realize at the end of the day, I did more things that I didn't write on the to-do list. You know where I'm going with this, right? And you go back to your to-do list and you write it on there just so that you can cross it out. Okay, let's pray for those. Cheer Jesus. No, I'm just joking. There's a petrol station that had a sign that simply said this, we help you move faster. What if your primary need is not to move faster? Author Diane Ulmer, she pens an insightful diagnosis of you, of me, of every one of us. She says this, Above all, it is a continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or to to participate in more and more events in less and less time. And that's what we're trying to do. God is so lovely. This is such a lovely message. God is so loving and so caring because he knows us. And he actually knows what's better for us than we know or what we think we know is better, best for us. And so he has laid out the solution to this a long, long time ago. And it's so simple and God's actually dead serious about it. It is a life-giving solution. So much so that he doesn't offer it up as a suggestion or as an option, he, he puts it up there as a command. And not just any command, of all the commands in the Bible, and there's quite a few, it makes it into the heavyweight category. It's in the top 10. So along there, alongside with don't kill another human being, don't be a lying person, don't steal other people's property, is this. I want you to pay attention to the do-nothing bedhead day. I want you to do that. I'm commanding you, commanding you to stop. You, it's like a child, you need to stop. That's what we're getting from our father. The fancy word for the Bible in it is quite simply the Sabbath. Today, we will call it the do-nothing bedhead day because it's fun. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I read those kinds of commands in the Bible, when it says things like, do not covet your neighbor's wife, do not kill another human being, I kind of take those seriously. But why is it that when I see the rule of taking this one holy day and resting with God, I seem to be able to shirk it away. No problem. Apparently, God sees things very differently to the way you and I do. And again, I think it's because he knows what we need better than we know ourselves. Now, let me give a little caution here, because our ability to do pendulum swings with this is pretty, uh, pretty bad. The entire thrust of the focused life with Jesus Christ is that we live in a culture In fact, that's not even good enough. We have to take personal responsibility for this. We personally live lives that are out of balance. And it's not just a little bit or a smidge. It's not just from time to time or every now and again. We today live cell phone obsessed, overcommitted, overexerted, overnoisiness, exerted, exerted, self-serving, packed lives. That is the lives that we live. Now the caution that I want to give here, if I could wave a little yellow flag perhaps, is that I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with working hard. Adam and Eve, they rolled up their sleeves. Actually, they didn't have sleeves, did they? That just occurred to me right now. They got to work, okay? And they worked hard. There's nothing wrong with a hard day's work and a great sense of a positive work ethic. That is not a bad thing. In fact, it is a godly thing. There's nothing wrong with working hard so much so that you get home and you hit the hay and your head goes down on that pillow and you're out like a light. That's a good thing to do. So this is not kumbaya, let's all go take a nap and meditate Christianity. That's not what we're talking about here. But this pendulum swing is so prevalent in this particular subject matter. In fact, when Jesus came from heaven to earth to fulfill his mission, he actually bumped into, in his ministry on earth, this exact pendulum swing. People took it way too far. They took the rule, which is wonderful and lovely and kind, and they started writing rules about the rule. And then they started writing rules about those rules and they went hardcore and legalistic and that's what Jesus bumped into. They liked the rule so much they began to elevate the rule and not glorify God. He comes on the sabbath, he comes into the situation and he sees how they're treating the sabbath, the do nothing bedhead day with God. And he comes out with these phenomenal words that they really needed to hear and we probably need to hear them too. He simply says this, "Listen, the sabbath was made to serve us. It's a present for you." You weren't made to serve the rule. You weren't made to serve the Sabbath. That's not what this is about. And you've got this thing mixed up. It is a spirit of rest. The spirit of the focused life is peace. It's not rule keeping and prohibition. And so even when we mess up, and i got to be honest with you, I knew what I was preaching about this Sunday. And still, my do nothing bedhead day, I probably did one or two more things than I really should have done. I should have let them go. And I didn't. I was like, no, I want to get this done. I want to get this done. And I got them done. I'm grateful that there's grace. Even when we mess up about this command. I'm grateful for that grace. There's grace for you. We need that, don't we? We're all aware that in this world we'll have trouble. John 16, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart. I have conquered the world. Jesus never conquered the world by war or violence. He conquered the world with pervasive peace. God knows that you need peace. God knows that you would need a plumb line for your soul, something to center you, a place to lay your head, a place for you to rest. He knows that you need this, that I need this. In the Jewish tradition, this was their greeting. They would come up to somebody on the do-nothing bedhead day with God, and they would simply say, Shabbat Shalom which simply means this, may your day of no work be peaceful. And then you would kind of say the same thing back to them, Shabbat Shalom. I pray that your day of no work would be full of peace. But you see, God is not just the inventor of peace. He actually is peace. He's the embodiment of peace. So perhaps another way of saying that greeting that I think could be beautiful is, and I would say it to every one of you, may God be in your rest, And may you be in the rest of God. A day of rest is a day of peace for your soul that you could experience and express the peace of God. Now, why is this important? Because for some Christians like us, we're aware of this Sabbath. We're aware of this command. Yep, I knew that was in the Bible there somewhere. I kind of knew a little bit about it. But our version of a day of rest and a day of peace fails to restore our souls. Our version usually revolves around doing all the projects at home that we couldn't get done during the week. Or worse, it revolves around lying on the couch watching the telly. How many of you, after a delightful evening, perhaps three hours of binge watching Netflix, you get off the couch and you say, man, I feel so refreshed. No one ever says that because it doesn't work. Listen to these words from Isaiah 58. This is such a great challenge in here. Look at this. If you watch your step on the Sabbath, on the do nothing bedhead day, and if you don't use my holy day for your personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, isn't that just precious? God's holy day as a celebration. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money and running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I will make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. I like that. I like that a lot. This is so lovely. Who doesn't want this? This is so easy to preach. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you A new to do list. And I'm gonna put three things on it. Okay, if you're taking notes, these are three ingredients on your to do list for your do nothing bedhead day with God. Number one, to do number one is simply this word stop. In Genesis, when God rested, it does not mean that God was tired, it does not mean that God needed a nap. It simply means he stopped. His work was stopped, his labor was stopped. God had finished his creative work. In the Old Testament, it actually spells it out in more detail. It says, if you're in construction, stop doing construction. It talks about agriculture, um, which was so prevalent for these individuals. It says, if you're plowing, stop. Stop harvesting. It specifically says, stop carrying heavy loads. Stop doing business. Famous author in Christendom, C.S. Lewis, married an American woman by the name of Joy Davidman. And she put it like this. It's all the pursuits that we engage in for necessity and not for pleasure. Stop doing the things that you have to do. Man, I know I gotta get that done. I've gotta work at that. And God says, stop it. Stop doing that and start doing the things that you do for pleasure. The things that you love to do. The things that you actually enjoy. One day a week, God says, I care about your soul so much. I want you to experience the do-nothing bedhead day with God, the Holy Sabbath day. I want you to experience peace with the person who is the Prince of Peace. So that means on that day, you stop doing the thing that makes you make money. Stop doing it. On that day, you know the way you try to keep your house in order? Anyone got young children? Right, that doesn't ever happen, right? Stop trying to keep your house in order on that day. On that day, stop trying to manage all of life's demands. It's not the day to take care of that. Stop trying to make major life decisions on that day. That is not the day to do that. Stop thinking about and fretting over the things that make you worry and stress and anxious. That's the day to put that aside. Put down technology that day, especially the kind of technology that you use for your work and for your labor and to make money. Put it away. And God says, when you do that, when you actually embrace the do-nothing bedhead day with God, all those things I've just described, making money and thinking through stuff and what I'm stressed about and being anxious and making those things happen and keeping the house in order, all that stuff, here's what you're going to do. If you will trust me with the do-nothing bedhead day, I will take care of those things for you. Leave it to me. I got it. I'm asking you to trust me with those things one day a week. Your to-do list number two, rest. I know it's unbelievably obvious, but it's the present we don't open. The Hebrew word for rest means so much more than an absence of activity. It is beyond that. It is also a presence of peace. So you're not just not doing things, but you're experiencing the peace of God. And for some of you today, you're struggling even when I say that out loud. Because the idea that you wouldn't squeeze as much as you could possibly squeeze and maximize that day as efficiently as possible to get outcomes feels like an intrusion in your life. It feels like an obstacle. You're like, I can't be the right, the right way for me to go. This do-nothing bedhead day with God is actually not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a gift for you. In the movie, Chariots of Fire, I don't know if you've ever seen it before. It's a bit of a classic movie. There's a character by the name of Eric Liddell. He's a Welshman, an Olympic runner for Wales. Wonderful, godly man who eventually became a missionary to China. But he had some hardcore feelings about the Sabbath. He wouldn't compete and he wouldn't run for the Olympics on the Sabbath. So he's pretty legalistic about this. There's one scene in the movie where he's coming out from church and all of a sudden at his feet rolls a football. And then following the football is just a gang of young lads who are out of breath and laughing and having a good time. And in the movie, he looks at them, he picks up the ball, and he says to them, Do you not know what day it is, lads? The implication is loud and clear. Stop having fun. And those boys walk away looking pretty gloomy. That's not the rest that God is talking about. Isaiah, we just read it. He calls it the Sabbath day of joy. Another version calls it the Sabbath day of delight. So, what gives you delight? Do that on the Sabbath. What gives you joy? Purposely arrange your day to be engaged with something that elicits joy in your heart and in your mind and in your life. What restores your soul? You get to do it all day. It's this is the day for it. Maybe it's time with family and friends. My goodness, yesterday was absolutely what a gorgeous day in Michigan. The colors to be outside and it was cool and it was crisp. Go out into nature and go for a lovely walk. Read a good book. Sit in the corner with a nice cup of coffee. This isn't, like no one's like no. Everyone's like yes. Yeah, sign me up. Right. Guess why this is such an easy thing to preach. Go read a good book. If you enjoy painting, go paint a picture. If you love watching sports, watch the game and have a blast. Or maybe you like to play sports, get in there and and have a great time with some friends and enjoy playing some games. Or maybe you've got a a hot date, grab your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your your spouse and say, let's go catch a movie together and get some popcorn and have a nice time. Or maybe it's gardening or maybe it's cooking or maybe it's any one of those things or you might like to sit down and do a puzzle. The point is that you're trying to not accomplish. The point is you're trying not to labor and work. The point of it is, I want to rest. I want to find joy and delight. And I want to do that with my Father in heaven. And God is committing to you, if you will simply rest, you will find freedom. You will find enjoyment for your life. In short, you will begin to discover on a weekly basis, peace. And then you get to head into your work with that all over you. This is good, isn't it? Guys, give me an amen. Yeah, this is really good stuff. Last one for your to-do list, number three. To-do number three, remember. God underscores this idea of the do-nothing bedhead day with God. It's just so pronounced. At a moment in the Old Testament in particular, it's when this whole country, the Israelites, when they escaped from Egypt. And actually at that time in scripture, you'll see that God is like tons of rules, legislation, law, it's like rules, 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 rules. And a lot of people read that stuff and they really struggle with it. Like, man, what's with all the to-dos and to-don'ts, especially all the to-don'ts, God? There's a lot of rules in there. Why are you like that? We miss the context. It's actually so caring what God is doing. He's taking four centuries of slavery. So imagine like your relatives lived and died and lived and died and lived and died and lived and died, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, never a day off, every single day of the year, every year for your lifetime and your lifetime and your lifetime, slavery. Man, by the time you come into the world, you are thinking and speaking and acting like what? A slave. And God says, Man, I got to jumpstart this nation. I got to do some rewiring here. And so I'm going to give you some laws and some rules so that you can stop thinking like a slave. And in this time, he hugely underscores this idea of the do nothing bedhead day with God. He's like, I want you to keep this day holy because for them, 24 hours of what? Of, of rest? Of doing nothing? That's preposterous. That's ludicrous. If we do that, we'll be whipped and punished or we will starve to death. And so God had to bring in a huge message of freedom for them that they could barely wrap their arms around. It was a different way of thinking. Leading yourself into a focused life with Jesus Christ. If you will not do that, then what you're doing is you're leading yourself into slavery. To remember the Sabbath, to remember the do-nothing bedhead day with God is to remember that you used to be a slave. That this world used to be able to say to you, run around like your head cut off, chasing after the bigger car and the nicer vacation and the bigger house and the perfect body and the best job and the, the titles and the resume and, and all of that stuff. Go ahead and chase that. To, to fail to remember is to, is to simply embed yourself in all of that. But we need to remember on this day that God actually brought us out of slavery, that there's a different way to live our lives. A slave could never stop. A slave could never rest. A slave was not allowed to remember. Could never enjoy a day. And God says, on this day, I want you to remember what I did for you. To refuse the Sabbath, this holy day, this do-nothing bedhead day with God, is to spurn the gift of freedom. It is to resume willingly what we once cried out to God to deliver us from. It is choosing what we once shunned. Slaves don't rest. Slaves cannot rest. Slaves, by definition, have no freedom to rest. Rest, as it turns out, is actually a condition of liberty and freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. Sabbath is a refusal to go back to Egypt. Does this make sense? All right, let me wrap up. I want to teach you a tiny little prayer. And this prayer is for every one of you. Please, if you can remember, right as you put your head on the pillow tonight, I want you to recite these words. If you share a bed with somebody, give your husband or your wife an elbow in the ribs and say, hey, let's pray this prayer. If you can remember it all as you lie down on the pillow, listen to these words. Let me read them out loud. What has been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Let it be. I like that. This is for the end of your day today. I want you to begin to practice the sentiment over your life. And here's why. Because it will undo your thinking about the rat race that you think you have to win. It will undo your thinking about regret and guilt, about all the things you thought you could get done, and the to-do list that still has things on there. It's going to undo that shame. And the pressure to do and to accomplish and to wake up the next morning and do it all again. You accept the day for what it is and you accept the day for what it was not. And then you're able to fall asleep and you're able to rest and have some peace. So here's how I want to wrap up our time. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us to read that little sentiment, that prayer out loud together. and we're going to read it slowly. And I want to add, ask that we kind of really add our voice to that, Okay. And then after we, we read that, I'm going to ask us just to have a quiet time, like 20 seconds. And during those 20 seconds, I'm going to ask you to settle something with your God. I want, to, I want you to go before your God and say, God, and, and this is where it just gets practical. That's my do-nothing bedhead day with you. Pick the day. Call it in your head, whether it's a Monday or a Friday or a Sunday or a, whatever it is for you. Now, if you're married or if there's other people in the picture, you might need to have a follow-up conversation. But right now, between you and your father, I want you to settle. God, this is my Sabbath day that I'm going to keep holy. I cannot wait for the peace that you have for me, for the rest that you have for me. And then I'll close this in prayer. All right, let's put this little prayer up on the screen. I'm going to read this together slowly, but please, like, let's all add our voice to this. Okay? Here we go. What has been done has been done. What has not been done. Has not been done. Let it be. Let's quiet our hearts for a moment. Father, thank you for such a lovely word. It really is such a kind and caring thing that you want to give us these presents. Our Father, who has good gifts for us. God, we actually apologize for not opening up the wrapping, for not receiving that for you, for thinking that we have to be in charge another day to get stuff done, for thinking that this little old world won't spin if we're not there to make it all happen. We're not that big, we're not that important. Would you forgive us, God, for neglecting this command from you? Help us to push that aside by the power of your Holy Spirit. And please help us today to embrace, not in a legalistic way, but in such a beautiful way, a day of rest from which we launch ourselves into great work for you in the kingdom. Wherever that puts us, whatever that looks like. Lord, we cannot wait to share the do-nothing bedhead day with our Father. To stop, to rest, and to remember. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you, church. God bless. Enjoy the rest of your do-nothing bedhead day.